All right, everybody, why don't you make your way back to your spot? Stay standing with me if you could for the scripture today. Some of you might be wondering, why are we standing? I'm back at my chair. I want to sit. We stand out of respect for the scriptures. This is from Colossians chapter 3, and I'd love for you to recite this with me. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says this. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through the psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through Amen. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. M&M's, Skittles, or Starburst? Quick show of hands for the Skittle crowd. Anybody? I feel you. I feel you. Got to, what is it? Taste the rainbow, right? Um, where's, our, where's my M&M people? Thank you. Thank you. And finally, the Starburst crowd. It feels good, doesn't it, to have that little dose of sugar in the morning. I love it. I love it. Hey, so happy to see you today. If you don't know me, my name is David. I'm one of the pastors here at Community Life. So fired up to be sharing from the scriptures today as we continue this series, Church People. But before we do, can we just celebrate what God is doing through Karen and Church Kids and VBS? Thank you, Jesus. This was uh, the first year my kids uh, went to a VBS program. And I tell you what, they came home every night so fired up and so exhausted. And now we are so exhausted. Um, But every day they heard about Jesus. Every day they were able to party with their friends. Every day they were loved on by such an incredible team of volunteers. It was such a huge win, especially considering last year when we had to cancel it and we had no idea what this would even look like when it would happen. It was such a huge win. So if, if you were a part of it, I am just so grateful for you. If you were a part of it and you were a part of sharing the good news of Jesus with my kids and with all the kids in our community, thank you so much. You don't even know how, honestly, yeah, 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 okay, all right. We had the golf clap happening for VBS, I appreciate that. Um, But you'll never know the fruit that will grow from the seeds that you planted this past week. And so thank you, thank you. Hey, a special welcome to Bruce and Kim Sumner. If you don't know them, can you just do a quick golf wave as well? There we go. Can everyone say, hi, Bruce. Hi, Kim. Uh, they, are, uh, they, are, um, they are connected to our family of churches called Converge, and he is uh, the regional president for, for the Southwest. And he is, in, he is here today to make sure that I am not screwing up. And so, um, I'm just kidding. Uh, No, but we're so grateful for you. Uh, A couple years ago, Bruce and I, we got to go to Sweden together. And one of the reasons I'm even here is because I was on a trip with him and the opportunity about this church came up. And some of you have heard this, but Bruce was a catalyst for even bringing our family out here to California. And so, Bruce, we are so grateful for you, the investment that you've made in this family of churches. And we're just so glad to have you here today. Can we just thank them for being here, please? 
All right. One more quick thing before we get into the message. Uh, as you know, you got some of you got an email. Some of you just found out that we've got an updated mask mandate here in Los Angeles County. Boo! We don't like it, but we're we are going to honor it like we always have with integrity. And so um, I just encourage you guys to to really commit to that with us, with optimistic hearts, to not be grumbling, not to be complainers, but to really just to just be people of humility and integrity as we step into this. Now, some of you might be wondering, how does this connect to our potluck on, on August 1st? Because I know that that was the first thing everyone was afraid of. What's going to happen to our potluck, right? The only thing that's changing is we're moving it outside into the parking lot so we don't have to deal with the masks, okay? And so it'll be underneath in their covered parking area. We'll still be able to stage everything inside and it's going to be an amazing time. So make sure you mark your calendars. Um, and if anything else comes up, we'll let you know. But um, we love you. We're so grateful for you. All right. Well, we got a bunch to come still in the service from communion to baptism. So let's get started. If you're taking notes, I'd like to focus our time today on the priority that God gives his people, his church people, to be a people of gratitude. A people of gratitude in a world of entitlement. Like we just heard a moment ago from Colossians 3, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful, singing with gratitude in your hearts giving thanks to God the Father through our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us, you and me and all of his people, to be a people defined by gratitude. And I know some of you in the room today, you're thinking, yes, finally, pastor is throwing a softball at us today. But I tell you what, I tell you what, at least in my own experience, being attentively grateful and really being a person of gratitude is so much easier said than done, Right? Especially in a world that's constantly trying to sell us the lie that we deserve what we want. Where if we desire it, we're somehow entitled to it. From stuff, to success, to opinions and expectations. This always progressing message of you deserve it. You deserve it has colonized our culture with a consumeristic vision of fulfillment, satisfaction, and entitlement, where what was once the dream for you, the absolute apex of what you could achieve, soon it becomes the standard that you occupy to then eventually feel like a disappointment in need of an upgrade. Honestly, this is where we are. We live in an upgrade culture, in an upgrade culture of discontent. Like, for example, because I know you love when I throw myself under the bus with examples. Here we go. When I was a kid, I would say probably seven or eight years old, I remember vividly receiving a watch from my parents. And on the face of the watch was the character Buster Bunny from Tiny Toons. And if you don't know what this is, yeah, it's just like this, exactly. Buster Bunny was like a mini Bugs Bunny. It was like the kid version of, of Looney Tunes, Tiny Toons. Anyway, so you can clear that out. I appreciate the, the illustration. Anyway, I love Tiny Toons. I loved it. And so when my folks saw the watch, they picked it up for me and I was beside myself totally in love with this watch. I was so grateful. I was so grateful for this toy watch that I wore it all the time. It was the dream and I let everyone know that is, friends, until that one fateful day. I was in the school library flipping through a comic book when I saw another cool watch. And take a look at this. This was the Dick Tracy. The Dick Tracy two-way wristwatch, check it out, and I couldn't believe my eyes. It was this little watch. 
that we now have on our wrist today. But it was really, it was this, it was this watch that, that if you had one with your friends, you could talk to each other like a little walkie-talkie back and forth. And, and it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen. And so there I was in the school library. You can clear the Dick Tracy watch, thank you. Um, I was there with my friends and I was flipping through this magazine and then I looked down at my Looney Tunes watch, right? And for the first time, for the first time, I saw it as just okay. It was just okay, you know? Now that I had seen this new cool thing, it didn't matter that before I didn't have a watch and now I have a watch. The only thing that mattered was that I didn't have this watch. I didn't have this one. I stopped seeing what I had. I stopped being grateful for what I had received and once considered the dream of all watches, Buster Bunny. And now instead I only saw what was missing. Now I know this isn't a big deal, right? It's just a kid's watch. I was young, I was dumb, whatever. But listen, this was not a one-off occurrence for me in my life. This was not a one-off. No, if anything, it helped create a pattern in me of always wanting what's next, of always wanting uh, uh, more and more, completely forgetting what I was originally grateful for. And listen, I can make excuses. You know, I can make excuses and call it being an early adopter, which I am. I love seeing what's next. I love seeing what's new. But really, in most cases, it was just a lack of gratitude, it was a lack of appreciation which led to an abundance of entitlement mixed with a healthy dose of discontent. And I saw it in my own life from video games to candy to cars and vacations to shoes to girls and guitars and dreams. Even with the best of intentions, an incredible example for my family, faithful family and parents, even with the best of intentions, I fell into the world's fleeting vision for satisfaction. Where the pinnacle of a moment soon became satisfactory, only to then become emotionally obsolete in my heart and my mind. And this was me, you know, buying into a lie that I deserved whatever I thought would make me happy. That I deserved whatever, and when, when all it really did was leave me wanting more, as it became less and less grateful. Now, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder if anyone here has ever fallen into this trap of entitlement. No, right? <laughs> Believing that you are entitled to what you want now, and then what you want later, and then what you'll want after that. Entitled to what your feelings expect, entitled to what your opinions require, entitled to what your preferences demand. And we've all been there. Some of us have probably even been there this morning from frustrations at Starbucks when they get your order wrong, right? To disappointments with your new phone three months after they, they upgrade it, right? To falling in and out of that honeymoon feeling in a relationship to even being annoyed at church because I didn't sing your favorite song or someone sat in your seat. We've all fallen prey to this vision of me first. I deserve what I want. It's the way of the world and it's coming at us from every side, but I need you to understand. I need you to know, and this should be obvious, but God does not want, nor will he put up with his kids being a bunch of entitled brats 
God will not put up with his kids being brats. Nah, James 3 says this, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For whatever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there will you find disorder and evil of every kind. God does not want his people to be selfish. God does not want his people to be jealous or entitled or discontent. No, if anything, his expectation for us and what sets us apart from the world is that we would be thankful regardless of what comes, that we would be content, not complacent, not sitting around idly waiting for good times to come, but content with what we have. That we would choose to see beyond what's missing so we might become more gratefully aware of what God has put in front of us. To be a people of gratitude in a world of entitlement. This is what God wants for us as church people. And we know it, right? We know that to be true. God doesn't want us to be wrapped up in striving for stuff. God doesn't want us to be wrapped up in achieving and acquiring things that would have convinced us that God isn't necessary for us to survive. No, God wants to re- us to rely on his daily provisions. Give us this day our daily bread. God wants us to be satisfied by his living water and never thirst again. Why? Because God wants to be the source of your supply. God wants to be the source of your supply. And while there's nothing wrong with having stuff, and there's nothing wrong with finding success, I can say this with absolute certainty, that God's will for your life is not more stuff or more success. God's will for your life from 1 Thessalonians 5 is that you would have a life of gratitude. That you would live a life of gratitude. And listen, the single greatest enemy to gratitude is entitlement. So, how can we? How can we begin to make a shift away from us focused into a kingdom distinction? How can we begin to see world in a different way? In a world that keeps selling the virtue of insatiable want, how can we live satisfied? How can we live satisfied and grateful for what we have? How can we be a people of gratitude? That's where we're hanging out today. So let's take a look. If you have your Bibles, open up. We're going to be starting. Where are we starting today? Ephesians chapter 2. But... Much like last week, I'm going to be throwing a ton of scripture at you. And so if it kind of speeds past you, just make sure you take notes of the references so you can go back and study it. And also, let me say before we hit the scriptures that even though I know we all drift into this tendency of entitlement and discontent, even though we so often find ourselves there, I have been so, man, I have been so impressed with the heart of gratitude I've seen in this church. When we first reopened after COVID, I had no idea what to expect, seriously. But, but what I've witnessed over the past 15 weeks, 15 weeks, has been so incredibly sweet and hopeful. And I, I, I know that you sensed it too. So please don't take this message as some type of rebuke or some heavy-handed correction where you all need to cut 10% out of your budget or commit to wearing one pair of shoes for the next two years. That's not what I'm saying. 
All I'm saying is that this message isn't a prescription for what you should have or want, but rather a distinction for how God wants you to see what you have and want. It's not about what you should have, but how you should see with thankful hearts what God has already placed before you. So here we go, starting in Ephesians 2. And we're just going to flow from one to the next, but the references should be at the bottom of the screen. Ephesians 2, verse 1. The Apostle Paul, speaking to our identity, he writes, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger just like everyone else. Verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy. Amen. God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken as people who have received grace... Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Colossians 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And finally in Ephesians 5. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Here it is. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So, what did we just read? Well, we saw a pretty extensive theology for for gratitude from God to his people. That as his church people, those who have been brought from death to life, who are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, we must be thankful. And we must worship God with an appropriate response. That we would give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will, Thessalonians 5. That we would devote ourselves to being thankful, Colossians 4. And give thanks to God, Ephesians 5, always for everything. And listen, this is a huge statement. This is a huge statement because these folks were not living uh, in an instant access progressive social society. No, these folks did not have civil rights or equal opportunities to uh, a balanced justice system. No, these folks were being arrested and fed to lions. And still, Paul writes that God's expectation for them is that they would give thanks always. That they would give thanks always for everything in every circumstance. It's totally crazy, right? Totally crazy. And this is just a small fraction of the many give thanks we see in our scriptures. Just read the Psalms. God wants us to be grateful. He wants us to be grateful. So back to the beginning. How can we be faithful as a people of gratitude when everything around us is telling us that what you want matters most? 
How can we be grateful and thankful in seasons where pain hits us from all sides? How can we be grateful when we're forced to put on a mask again? How can we be thankful and begin to see beyond what's missing, good or bad, into a life of contentment? How can we be grateful when we don't always have what we want and sometimes what we have isn't what we want? How can we be people of gratitude? Well, if you're taking notes, I see a progression, a progression of three simple practices that all kind of flow from one to the next, three practices that we can all step into to help us move forward into a greater life of gratitude. And, and this, it goes like this. We must look back, we must look around, and we must look up. Can you say that with me real quick? Look back, look around, and look up. One more time, loud and proud. Look back, look around, and look up. Look back at where you were, look around at where you are, and look up at where you belong. Let's start with look back. As God's people, if we want to be a people of gratitude today, the first step is looking back to remember your life yesterday. If we want to be grateful today, it starts with looking back to remember your life from yesterday, your life from before, your life from before Jesus, your life from before healing, your life from before recovery, before marriage, before graduation, before that promotion, before your adoption, before moving into that house with the incredible view. We need to go back to remember to a time when there was no way you could have ever imagined life being any different. This is where a life of gratitude begins. It starts looking back to feel the weight of what was. To feel the weight of what was. This is why Paul starts in Ephesians with a sobering reminder that, listen, there was a time that you were dead. You were dead. You were dead because of your disobedience. And your many sins. You used to live in sin like the rest of the world. You used to follow the desires of your sinful nature. You did. By your very nature, you were the subject of God's anger. We have to remember this. We have to remember as Christians, if we want to be thankful in all circumstances, we have to look back to remember who we once were. To remember what we once had. To remember what we once did and where we once were. We cannot be a people of gratitude if we don't first acknowledge where we've been. So just take a minute real quick to look back, to look back and see who you once were. Ephesians 2 says, you lived in a world without God and without hope. So think about your relationships without God. Think about your entitlement without hope. Look back and feel the weight of life before the freedom of Christ. This is the first step of gratitude. We gotta look back, but just like in Ephesians 2, as essential as it is to look back, Paul makes sure to understand, to tell us that, that we can't get stuck looking back. If we want to be a people of gratitude, we must also have open eyes to look around, to look around to see where we are now, which is number two. You got to look around. But what does this mean? All right. To look around means taking a step back to see from 10,000 feet the story 
the trajectory, the progress that God has brought in you and the change he's made in you. You need to see and you need to believe the change. That yes, once you were dead, no doubt, sure, that once you were separated from God, absolutely. But then what happened? Because of verse 4, here we go, God is so rich in mercy. Yeah, yeah, once you were dead, but now, because God is rich in mercy, and he loved you so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that we have been saved. If you want to be grateful, then you got to look around, to see the change, to acknowledge the progress, to recognize that before before you didn't have, but, but now you do. That before you weren't, but now you are. That before you were blind, but now you can see. That before you were lost, but now you're found. Before you were an enemy of God, but now God calls you friend. Before you were broken, but now you're whole. Before you were destined to an eternity separate from God, but now you are saved and secure as forever family with God. This is the change we must see, that we must acknowledge daily and believe from how it started to how it's going. From how it started to how it's going, if we're to be a people of gratitude, we gotta look back, we gotta look around, we gotta see the change, a change that irrevocably affects our eternity, but also is intended to holistically reshape our vision for life today. And what I mean by that is the permanent change that God did in us on the cross is intended to not just influence our eternity. It's intended to to inspire our daily response and gratitude. It reminds me of a time I went down to the Dominican Republic for a vision trip with a group called Compassion International. And, um, And it was incredible. We were able to see all this incredible work that they were doing in and around the city of Santo Domingo, the ministry that they were doing with families and getting these kids out of poverty into school. And it was just absolutely amazing. Anyway, one day we, we drove from the home base an hour outside of Santo Domingo to this small village with dirt roads and literal shacks with tin roofs. There was no clean water, there was no AC, there was no internet or Target stores down the road. There was no one walking around with trays of Skittles, M&Ms, or Starbursts. This was a legit third world country. But the one thing I noticed when I was there that absolutely inspired me was how outwardly grateful they were when, when we were able to meet them, especially this one family. It was a family with a four-year-old named Riley. And as part of this program, we were encouraged to like bring some stuff from our houses to bring and give to them in their houses. And so before we packed up, I, I grabbed like a coloring book and some crayons, and I had intentions to bring it to this family. And so, um, you know, we get there, we settle in, and I open up the backpack, and I hand, I hand Riley this, this coloring book with crayons. And it was almost like he couldn't contain his emotions of joy. It's like he couldn't believe someone would do this for him. It was absolute gratitude. And for me, you know, it was just an old coloring book. It's one that my kids wouldn't even touch because now they have devices. But for him, for him it was so much more. When he saw it, he saw a before and an after. 
He looked back and he looked around. With him, it was, I used to have nothing, but now I have something. And it was so obvious for him because there was this literally nothing before. There was this stark contrast of how it started for him and how it's going now. It was night and day. He couldn't escape it. And there was just no way he couldn't see it. And so he couldn't not be grateful. He couldn't not be grateful. And this reality of seeing the change is actually why being a people, I think, of gratitude in our culture today is so challenging. It's so challenging because we just have so much stuff. We have so much stuff all around us. It can be so hard to appreciate what doesn't seem essential. My kids, they did not appreciate the same coloring book that Riley would have given his leg for, you know? It's because we have so much stuff. It can be so hard to be grateful for things that we know we're just going to upgrade later. We have so much that at times we seem to forget what it's like to live without. That is until our abundance shifts into a season of weakness. And listen, even though the scriptures say that God opposes the proud, that he humbles the proud, I'm not here today to say that God causes moments of pain or loss to make us more thankful and aware of his provision. That's not not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that God uses seasons of pain and lack to help us look back and look around. Nothing is wasted in the kingdom of God. So God uses these things to help us see beyond what's missing because it's in poverty that we're truly reminded of what matters. A couple years ago, some of you might know the story, a couple years ago, I, uh, I got a call from a friend, a family friend, who uh, had just checked into the hospital, had gone into the hospital for like a kind of a random checkup, only to find out that she had stage four cancer that had spread throughout her entire body. And so she never left. And so she called me and she, and, she, uh, and, and she said, can you come up to meet with me and pray for me? And, and I sat down with her and she was just terrified. And um, she was terrified at what she saw when she looked around, okay? Terrified at what she saw. She looked back at all the moments, at all the opportunities she had, and now she's sitting in a hospital bed so keenly aware of what might never come to be. She was angry And she was scared and she was frustrated all for good reasons. And I had no idea what to say. So I just hung out and I just listened. And I stuck around for the next 10 months as she eventually was taken by cancer. But what I expected to see over those 10 months was a continued progression of fear. A continued progression of bitterness that that would eventually take over. Would she start to blame God for what was happening and... That's what I expected, but what I saw instead was remarkable. I saw that the more, the more that what she once counted as gain was stripped away, the more, that once she, the, the more of what she once built her life on was stripped away, the more thankful she became. The more desperate the diagnosis, the more grateful she was. And it, it got to this point where I was actually like, Wendy, her name was Wendy Schaefer's, I'll never forget Wendy Schaefer's. It got to the point where I said, Wendy, what are you doing? 
how in the world can you be so optimistic with such a dire diagnosis? How can you be at such peace? How can you look around and be grateful? And she looked back at me and she said, David, this isn't the dream I wanted. This isn't what I, why, what I wanted or what I felt entitled to 10 months before. She says, yeah, I'm scared, but this is just what I have. And, but, but the reality is I know where I'm going. This isn't what I wanted, but I know where I'm going. She said, I know where I'm going, and so now I'm just grateful for the moments. I'm just grateful for the moments from here to there. And she said this. She said, God's got me. She said, God's got me. Incredible. Wendy, she was able to look around with fresh eyes of gratitude because she not only looked back at what came before which brought a new appreciation. But she also looked up, knowing that ultimately everything we experience here is just a temporary stop on our journey to there, to eternity. And this is the step up, the last step of our progression. We need to look up at what's promised to come. We need to remember who we are and where we're going. Hebrews 12 says it like this so brilliantly. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, this is the promise, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe since we know what awaits us in the end. Since we know what awaits us, let us have confidence to be grateful for what we have today. Friends, it is in our ability to focus on eternity, to live with the end in mind, that we are truly able to be thankful in all things and in all circumstances. As we start to strip away all of the entitlement that comes from looking at me first and instead look to Jesus first and the change he's made, it's there and it's then that we're finally able to see beyond what is with grateful hearts into a promise of what will be. We need to look up as people of the future living in the present inspired by the past. This is what it means to be a people of gratitude with eyes fixed on heaven, living faithfully today, inspired by the progress God made in your yesterday. And this really more than anything is what God wants for us, that we'd simply live in reply to the love that he has for us. That we would see the incredible transition his love brought into our lives. With hearts focused on the end, we begin to see today as the gift that it really is. Whether, whether we're wearing masks or breathing free, whether we're out of work or in your dream job, whether we're married with kids or still longing for a family, whether you're struggling with identity or you're confident in who God made you to be, whether you are unhappy with our government or thrilled with the new president, whatever the season or situation or circumstance, the expectation is that we would, 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. And I love it. This is God's will for you. Let me say that one more time. It can't get any more clear than this. 
First Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So let us, friends, as we close, let us be a church that willingly looks back with honest acknowledgement at who we were before the saving work of Christ and allow the weight of what was to bring appreciation to what is. Amen? And let us be a church that actively looks around with thankfulness to see the change Jesus made, inspiring in us a new vision of gratefulness in any and all circumstances because once we were dead, but now we are alive. Amen? And one more time, let us finally, let us be a church people devoted to looking up beyond the world's entitlement of me first to remember instead the promise of what is to come, where an eternity of peace and contentment tomorrow can inspire a vision of gratitude for today and every moment, all the time. This is the way of Jesus, friends. There is no other. Let us follow him as a people, a people of gratitude. Amen? Amen. Well, as we close today, we're actually going to practice this progression. Sometimes, you know, we talk all this stuff, and then all of a sudden it's like, all right, go and figure it out. But we're actually going to do this today as we wrap up the service. Um, First, with a time of communion. And so the worship team, if you guys want to come up, thank you so much for leading us today. The duet, that is Taylor and Rebecca. Can we thank them for leading us with gratitude? Uh, So we're going to be starting with a time of communion to look back to remember where we were when God met us and the incredible love and sacrifice God made to bring us out of the dark and into the light. Now immediately after, we're going to be singing and then shifting into a time of baptism. A baptism where we look around to acknowledge the progress and the change that God has made before finally looking up in a closing benediction. But as we close today, I just want to encourage you to use this time as an opportunity to personally look back, to personally look around and look up. Take this time to thank God for the change. Take this time to thank God for where he's brought you with all the blessings, but also for how he's carried you and cared for you over this past 18 months. Take this time to thank God for the promise of eternity. And take this time to ask him to help you keep this focus of the end of eternity and the promise of heaven at the forefront of your heart and mind so you might truly live grateful, come what may. So in just a moment, the band is going to lead us in a song of contemplation as you take communion practically. You know how it goes. You've got these pods of weird cardboard and old grape juice sitting on your chairs. Um, The bread... uh, which represents Christ's body broken for your past. The juice, which is his blood poured out to cover your sins. So as the band leads, as you look back, you're welcome to take the elements as you see, as you feel so led. Take this time. Don't waste it. I love you. I'm grateful to be your pastor. So grateful that I get to help tell you more and more what God is like every week. I seriously thank God almost every day (laughs) that he brought us here. But 
No, I do. Because I have such an overwhelming confidence that God wants to do something incredible with your faith. God wants to do something absolutely incredible through your obedience. So let's be a people of gratitude together. Amen. All right, let's pray. Jesus, we're grateful. Jesus, we're so grateful for the work that you've done in us and through us. And God, we know you're just getting started. So in this moment, God, we ask that you would just open our eyes to your presence, soften our hearts to your way. God, help us willingly humble ourselves in the seasons that we find ourselves in because we know that humility is coming one way or another. So God, we ask that you give us the courage to really see beyond what's missing so we can step into a greater life of gratitude. We know that this is your will for us in Christ Jesus. So Jesus, keep working on us. We love you and we thank you. And it's in your name that we pray. We all said, amen. You can take the elements as you feel that.